This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Patterson Program, where you'll learn how to improve your health from the inside out. And now, your host, Clint Patterson. Today's guest is from New Zealand. Her name is Charlotte. She lives on a farm and she got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis a couple of years back. Uh, welcome, Charlotte. Looking forward to hearing about your story and all the things that you do to keep inflammation at bay. Hi, thanks for having me today. It's great to be able to, um, to be able to connect at this level and um, yeah, hopefully share some stuff that will be able to help some other people who are on the Patterson program. Yeah, and you've uh, come from a uh, background as a registered nurse and worked in primary healthcare. So you've got sort of that uh, that perspective that you bring to these changes that you've made to your life. Um, and also now you're, you're a health coach and you've built a business called Wealth of Health, helping people at the moment, just currently uh, in New Zealand. And uh, it's been a great start for your business and being able to share your empathy for people who come to see you with, with health conditions. So without going into an enormous backstory of what you've been through and everything, why don't we just hear about your diagnosis, what decisions you made, and uh, some of the challenges you've faced and where you're at at the moment. Sure. So I didn't see my diagnosis coming. Like I'm very, um, as my rheumatologist put in my notes, very health literate. (laughs) And I just did not see my diagnosis coming. So when it came through, it was, I grieved for weeks and weeks. It was, it was a really tough time for me. But at the same time, it gave me, it gave me an answer. I'd been um, living with this so-called mystery illness for some time and I was so frustrated that my life had slowed down and that I didn't know what what was going on so essentially for me finally having a name to put on my symptoms you know it gave me a portal for trying to find answers so it was it was a really positive thing in that regard and from there I was um, I pretty promptly saw a rheumatologist so and yeah he was um, I think even the, the orthopedic surgeon who referred me to the rheumatologist was pretty keen to get me on some medication straight away before I even saw the rheumatologist. And I was like, nah, let's just just give us some breathing space. And um, yeah, and then I went on to see the rheumatologist. And I was at that stage, because of my interest in holistic health and nutrition, I just knew um, deep down that I would be able to find some solutions in terms of the way I managed my diet to impact on my symptoms and my inflammation. And so I managed to convince the rheumatologist just to give me a bit of time, like, you know, we're okay, we're going to manage this, just give me a bit of time. And he said, well, let's catch up in six months. And he was kind of sceptical at that point. And at that stage, I hadn't discovered Patterson program and I was actually doing another autoimmune protocol and I wasn't really making any progress. And I was like, oh, you know, all the theory says that I should be making this progress. And one day I was just flicking around on Facebook and I found the Patterson program and I was like, oh, might be something in this. And um, did, did a bit of reading, watched some of the videos and, you know, listened to some of the podcasts. And I was like, right, I'm going to give this a shot. So that next time that I went back to see my rheumatologist, I said to him, well, this is, this is what I'm doing. And I flicked him through the the information that you guys have on your program for rheumatologists. And I'm still not entirely sure whether he read it, but he was kind of, he's still been 
quietly intrigued as to my progress, but he doesn't really want to let on. I think that I think he's still pretty stumped by it. Like he's when I see him, he's always like, mm, "This is not the typical process that the disease takes, Charlotte." And you know, like he's sort of yeah. I think he doesn't he doesn't want to get as excited as I am, but he's just he's quietly intrigued. So that's quite cool. I catch up with him probably every six months, and yeah. I seem to be, you know, every, my reports coming back from him afterwards is always, you know, there's been no, no progression in the disease, your joints. Um, I think I have a little bit of joint damage done um, in the base of both my little fingers. Otherwise, there's nothing, nothing really. And um, so I just keep on keeping on. And I, I really appreciate, um, I appreciate how thorough the rheumatologist is in his examination of my joints. So I do actually, I look forward to my reviews with him kind of to be like, Hey, I'm still going, still not on drugs, still doing really well. Um, and to share what I've been doing, give him some updates. But yeah, I really, I appreciate how thorough he is um, with his joint examination. And I always really like that because I guess as much as I know I'm doing really well, I kind of want to hear him say, you know, the examination findings are that, you know, you're right. Things haven't progressed. So, um, Kind of peace of mind for me, I guess. Yeah, so that's pretty much pretty much where I'm at at the moment. I did you want me to talk about where I'm going with like what what's been working really really well for me? I do. Yep. Thanks for the uh, yeah. thanks for the very um, rapid <laughs> report there on how you, how you've done over the last couple of years. Uh, I think you know viewers will appreciate that. And we and we just go through that part of your story fairly quickly so that we can get onto a lot of things that they're going to learn from and be inspired by. But I just want to comment against your uh, rheumatologist uh, visits and, and totally agree that you know even when we're doing well, we still need to keep the rheumatologist on a regular cycle. We need to see that he or she uh, just to continue to check in because they do have that expertise around you know the inspection of the joints uh, they may want to run some run some uh, lab work um, check your CRP ESR. Uh, they may want to run some scans as you said you, you've you've identified there is a small bit of erosion in one of the the, uh, the joints on your hands and and they can organize those tests and so uh, like for an MRI or probably an, an, an x-ray in that case so you know this is important and to have this sounding board, a very important sounding board and absolutely um, good work and continue to see him. I think uh, you mentioned you're part of our support group and you mentioned uh, recently that he said, you know, if things don't change, I might have to discharge you, but don't let him do that. You want to stay, stay seeing him. <laughs> yeah. I think he's quietly intrigued enough that he won't discharge me because he was supposed to discharge me and then he was like, oh, I think we'll catch up again. So <laughs> yeah, that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous. Uh, all right. Well, let's dive straight into some really helpful things of what do you think are the most important aspects of maintaining your current state of wellness and preventing the disease from progressing? Okay. Probably my number one thing for me, just over a year ago, I went on our local buy and sell trade page and I bought a secondhand stationary bike, or I call it an exercise and I have without a word of a lie probably used that exercycle six out of seven days a week since in the last year over a year so it's really a very big part of of my healing process and it's just helped me so much 
I think I really feel that it helps to shift any inflammation and it just helps to keep everything moving. Like I, I'm that person now because of the process I've been through my health. I, um, I wake and I'm, you know, you sometimes you wake a bit, a bit tight and a bit sore and you need to get moving, but I wake motivated. So I'm you know, out of bed on my exercycle and I do that for um, usually around 30 minutes at a time. I have just recently started a strength program with a personal trainer because while I've been on my extra cycle every, you know, nearly every day for the last year, I was like, oh, I can still do a bit better with, you know, strength and other stuff. And so I, I you know, do one one day and one the next, but I always use the extra cycle as my warm up. So that's been really, really important to me having an extra cycle. And I guess um, I've done some travel, a little bit of travel in the last few years. And mostly I've been really fortunate that the places I've stayed have had a gym or something like that. So I've still been able to keep that up when I've been, um, you know, on the road. And that's just made a massive difference to me. So, okay. yeah, that's, that's a game changer. <laughs> yeah, fantastic. So what? Uh, let's talk about it a little bit more because we shouldn't brush over what you've told us and I also personally agree with is that daily exercise, 30-plus minutes of cardiovascular is absolutely crucial to be able to keep inflammation at bay. So let, let's continue to go into some specifics here in case people have their curiosity uh, peaked here. So do you push pretty hard so that you actually notice that your glutes get sore and that you're always maintaining sort of sore glutes or did you at the start or did you build up, did you ramp up to the amount of level that you're at now and do you now sort of do a maintenance amount each day? What's your attitude towards doing it? Do you have something to eat before you do it? Um, do you stretch before and afterwards? I want to know those kind of things. Cool. So I, the exercise cycle that I bought, I bought for like a hundred dollars. It was, you know, <laughs> insignificant really with what it's been and um, the value that it's brought to my health. And I built up gradually, but I'm now, I'm at the point now where I probably need to um, splash out and upgrade because I've, I've built it up to the highest resistance and I do that solidly for you know, 30 minutes, but I'm probably not challenging myself enough now. I need to probably buy like one of those fancy spin bikes or something. I don't know. Any recommendations would be welcome. So, and I do feel it, you know, after 30 minutes, I do, it builds up my, um, my heart rate and, um, you know, I get a good sweat and I really feel it and I feel really good afterwards. I don't stretch beforehand. And to be honest, it's something I do in the morning. So I um, I always have my, my warm lemon water before I go and get on my exercise. That's part of my morning routine. And then when I get off my exercise, I have a, a young family, so I kind of hit the ground running. Uh, so I don't typically stretch. I guess stretching might be, you know, chasing small children around, trying to get them dressed for school, that sort of thing. So yeah, I don't stretch as such, but I'm just trying to think what else you asked. Oh, so I, and then I, yeah, I come away from there and I have, I do have another large glass of water. I think hydration is really, really important with exercise. Yeah. So that's been really good. I had initially a lot of, um, you know, the recommendation and Patterson program was around Bikram, but where I live, uh, the nearest Bikram studio is about an hour and a quarter away. And I definitely have been up there a few times. And even recently, my husband said, oh, I haven't tried Bikram. Let's go do it together. So that was really cool. And I think he even enjoyed it more than I did. And that's fantastic. I, I do love the Bikram, but it's just, it doesn't, I don't like to make, I don't like to say can't because it doesn't really come into my vocabulary, but it's, it's a challenge to make it work with everything else in my life and the timetable they have and the fact that I have to travel an hour and a quarter to get there. So 
I think it's kind of one of those novel things that I do on the odd occasion that it works, but it's not something I can do routinely. Although I feel like if I could do it routinely, it would be yeah, pretty important, pretty um, yeah, pretty good for me. Well, yeah. it sounds like your stationary bike is is doing doing the trick most definitely. And when I used to go on cruise ships as an entertainer and sometimes be away for 10, 12 days at a time and I'm stuck on a ship, the exercise bike was my default cardiovascular approach. And uh, it was hard to do my stretching and do the Bikram series on the boat because the boat moves. And so I'm trying to stand on one leg and I'm falling over and then I'm trying to do triangle pose and I'm falling backwards. And when the boat would dock, I would do some of the postures because when the boat's docked, obviously there's no sway, but hard to get a good cardiovascular and sweat up doing the Bikram postures at home or on a ship without when it's air conditioned and you know, you're just not quite getting that same experience. So stationary bike, absolutely fantastic for, for the purposes of getting that sweat that we need. So you're building up your antioxidant enzymes. And so we actually within the cells of your body, uh, you're building up a resistance to the free radical load that's being created by the immune system as it tries to clear the joints from these bacterial proteins and these circulating immune complexes. So, so whilst that cleaning's going on and the, the immune system's creating this free radical load and also a free radical load comes from our diet, just lifestyle, just breathing creates free radicals, you're able to, by consistently having this state of, of fitness, able to uh, have a better control over that free radical situation and be able to clear that out. So, so important and, and really glad that we spent some time on this. It's a great reminder, I think, for most people um, to get the well, discipline. Absolutely. And I think something to add to that too that I've found really helpful is because um, you know, you're making a commitment to your health, but when you're on the exercise cycle, you can make it um, you know, like a multi-purpose time. So for me, I quite often listen to my favorite podcast or some music or I'm like, sometimes it's not very mindful because it could be a really good mindful time as well. But sometimes I'll be, you know, checking emails, sending client reminders, so multitasking, I guess, essentially. So, you know, for people who are thinking, oh, I'm not sure I'm going to find time in my day to do this, use it to do something else that you enjoy or even read a book. You don't have to have your hands on the on the. Um, the holds and quite often you know it's quite good just to keep your fingers moving at your side and um, keep that inflammation shifting while you're on the exercise cycle anyway but there are other things you can do with that time that makes it not quite you know while you're getting into a routine that makes it feel like it's less of a, um, a hassle I guess. Yeah absolutely because we always look at it's like meditation the brain comes up with a million reasons why now is not the time to sit down and meditate and i think exercise is a close second unless it's enjoyable and and you feel that you know there's the the, the big stick needs to be big enough for you to actually get on that exercise bike or to to go to to bikram class or to go and start lifting weights at the gym whatever it might be even a walk so let's talk about your next tip what's the next thing on your list to keep us on track Probably, um, I know for me that sleep and stress management are massive, and um, that's been that's been a really big undertaking for me to rejuggle my life and and find a, a better balance, and then learn some better techniques for managing stress and prioritizing sleep. But my, I'm fine if I get a good night's sleep, I'm okay. But when my sleep gets compromised, everything 
turns upside down and inside out. So yeah, I've, I, there's a lot of discipline, um, as you know, around going to bed at a reasonable hour, but I do prioritize sleep and I have, I guess, been more aware of my work-life balance. I've cut things out of my life that no longer serve me and been, um, it's quite hard to do that initially to say no to things, but when you learn to say no and, and just do what truly, you know, lights you up and keeps your cup full it makes life simpler because then the things that you are spending your time on are the things that you enjoy and instead of being things that feel kind of like burdens that drag you down so I'm very much focused on doing things that fill me up uh, make me feel good and managing them you know within my week so that I'm not overdoing it I have learned to meditate and I find that really really helpful yeah, like you said before, you do have to still make time for it. And, you know, I've got a young family, so I, I need to manage that the best I can in the time that I have when they're not around. Um, just I know that I'm not going to be interrupted. But, yeah, I found that very, very, really good for um, stilling my mind and stilling my thoughts and just giving me some really good inner peace. It's been really, really helpful. Yeah, so that, that, was, that was the next thing on my list that was really important. But wouldn't wouldn't come second to my salary juice. Salary juice is kind of right up there for me in this journey. I've been, I think it, I've always had a juicer. So I think I must've started juicing salary pretty early in the program, like when I followed that initial cleanse stage. And I have chewed through a couple of juices in that time. <laughs> juices kind of, well, the ones that I've had don't particularly like salary. So I've had to um, you know, work on how I prepare my salary to be kind to the juicer but I wouldn't go without it now. And there are days where when I'm away from home and it's not always, you know, there's not a lot of places where I live or where I travel that you can just get celery juice from a juice bar. So there are days that I definitely do go without celery juice, but man, I just love coming home and having my celery juice. It just, I just, I feel, I, I can feel how good it is for my body as soon as I take a sip. It's so good. I try and grow my own celery as much as I can in the garden. And that's been hit and miss. I sometimes have amazing crops and it's really, really going well. And then the next crop is just a fuzz. So um, yeah, you just do your best. And lots of my friends know that I'm a big fan of celery. So sometimes I get um, bunches of celery delivered and that's really lovely as well, you know, from other people's gardens. So yeah, I think celery juice is amazing. And shouldn't, there's so much literature to support how healing it is for your body as well. But um, yeah, that's really big for me. And it's amazing the amount of people who are still like, oh, celery juice. You're like, well, try some, you know, it's not that bad. And I guess you just become accustomed to it. Um, but yeah, I think that's been really, really important for my healing. Hey, that's wonderful. Yeah. We'll touch upon celery juice again in a minute. Stress reduction and sleep you mentioned. And have you ever noticed a connection between symptoms and either stress or sleep? Or is it just a feeling that if you don't get them right, then the other aspects of what you're doing don't work as well? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for me, if I get tired, I get a bit I get, you know, I just develop a little bit of underlying anxiety and everything kind of goes spirals, spirals downhill from there. And then I do start to, you know, feel the inflammation come back in my hands a wee bit. And um, so it's just really like sleep is like a foundation for me. You know, if I get good sleep, everything else tends to just fall into place a little nicer and it just goes a bit smoother for me. Yeah. Um, there's definitely times in life, as we know, where, you know, there are, there is more stress and just more stuff happening that you need to deal with and other stresses 
And yeah, I think if I if I think about the two together, you know, when I am stressed, I do need to be very mindful of still getting on my exercise each day and still getting myself to be at a reasonable hour. And then I can I can usually pretty quickly get things back on track. Um, but yeah, those are the things that are sometimes non-negotiables. You know, you need to be always really super aware of the amount of sleep that you're getting. That's what's yeah. been yeah, really yeah. helpful for me. Okay. Fabulous. Is there a time that you set for yourself to go to bed each night? And if you don't get enough sleep, do you try and catch a little nap during the day or do you go to bed earlier the next night? This is a very good question. So I, in my coaching programs, I'm always, you know, talking about how we need better bedtime routines and how we need to prioritize sleep. I am trying to walk the talk a little better. And so I'm trying to walk the talk better, but in saying that, I actually, because of what I've been through with cleansing my body and the dietary changes I've made, I actually think I do need, I need less sleep than I used to, which is really interesting as well. So while I'm saying, you know, sleep is really, really important to me, I get by and function amazingly on less than I used to have, which is really interesting. But I do still try and, you know, follow an evening routine, you know, no screen time, at least an hour before bed and just try and like wind things down. I, it's been, you know, a bit of a chilly winter in New Zealand. So I often have a nice hot bath, that sort of thing. It really helps, mm. helps ease your yeah. joints and then, um, you know, helps to calm things down so that you're ready for a good night's sleep. I think that answers your question. And what about uh, napping? Yeah, I'm not too much of a napper. Like, I'd have to be really... Yeah, I'd have to be pretty un, unwell or um, exhausted to nap during right. the day. I, I do try and yeah push myself through the day. Like I will sit down and meditate or just lie in the sun and close my eyes, that sort of thing. But I do try and push through and just get myself mm. to bed earlier at the end of the day. Otherwise, I find if I sleep during the day, I it disrupts my nighttime sleep patterns. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you can get through the day and you don't feel the need to nap and you're sleeping well at night, I think that's ideal. I know there are there are people who believe that having a little nap after lunch is not only not a bad thing, but, but healthy. You know, I think that if your energy levels are great and you go through the day without the feeling of needing to, or you, then you just skip past that little inclination of wanting to, uh, I think that's an ideal state of energy. Um, okay. So we've got, uh, we've checked off uh, celery juice. I don't have any questions about that. Actually, I just uh, obviously have put that at the top of my list for a very long time. Um, when I was going through a lot of inflammation, I uh, found it very, very helpful, oh, obviously with cucumber in, in, in my case. Um, so what's your next tip then? Um, I think for me, um, I have been obsessive about green smoothies. I actually just at the weekend had to buy another Nutribullet, must be about my third one because I make so many smoothies and I don't think I'm hard on my gear, but you know, I think they just have a lifetime, you know, they have a lifespan, they yeah. don't last forever. So um, I make a lot of green smoothies and I I put yeah the all the intense greens that I that I have in my diet down to like a, you know as the answer to a lot of the healing that I've done internally like I'm just in my coaching programs I talk a lot about nutrient density and how we actually need a lot more um you know a lot more fruit and vegetables and specifically we need a lot more greens and I find that the green smoothie is just the best way to get it in and that's been just so good for me. And so I grow a lot of just spinach and silver beet and things like that, kale in my garden. Very simple to grow. When the pet lambs don't um, sneak under the fence and eat it, it's a little bit of a challenge this time of the year. So I grow a lot of that. And um, I actually don't know. I feel like I'm so fortunate. I don't know where I'd be if I had to buy the amount of greens that I get through each week. 
Um, so I'm yeah, very fortunate to have the space that I can just grow my own. My green smoothie, my favorite sort of green smoothie combo is banana and melon, either rock melon or honeydew. Um, either either seem to be fine for me. Um, usually some kale and some silver beet or spinach. Um, I quite like to put a mint leaf in, like fresh mint from the garden. That's mm. really lovely. And I absolutely love freshly squeezed lime juice. I know that probably doesn't work for everyone, but it is. it lifts it. It gives it the most amazing flavor. So that's something I really enjoy in my smoothie. And coconut water. So I use the coconut water. I often um, use this as a time of day that I put my probiotics in there as well because um, I've been taking probiotics for quite some time now and I find them really helpful. And, yeah, so that's – I'm pretty sure that's about everything that goes in my smoothie. Mm. One of those things you just do by default. Oh, I've got um, – I've actually got a greens powder mix that I put in as well um, that's got spirulina and a few other greens in it. And so I find that just is something that I add to that, just bulks it up a bit more with so much more good stuff. So um, that's my green smoothie. Recently, um, I have been adding more raw turmeric to my diet. And that's, for some of you that have tried raw turmeric, you'll know that's like, it's quite strong. It's something else. Um, So I decided I had to find a way to make a, a turmeric smoothie and I created this smoothie with, um, I always use banana as a base because it kind of makes it creamier. So it was banana, a whole chopped up orange, like a fresh orange, um, probably like half a, a thumb size piece of, um, you know, raw turmeric root. Um, sometimes a bit of fresh ginger root as well, actually. And coconut water. I think that was it. Yeah. Sometimes a little touch of honey. Sometimes people mm-hmm. like it a bit sweeter. Mm-hmm. And I just blitz that all on my Nutribullet and that's so good. And I just feel like it's such a good way to get that really good raw turmeric in because I've found turmeric to be really helpful for reducing inflammation as well. Mm. Wow. So yeah, I'm right. a big fan, of, um, big fan of smoothies. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Beautiful. Me too. Green smoothies and green juices. You cannot go wrong. No wonder you're doing so well. You know, this is big yeah. reminders to people. These are the fundamentals of our program. So uh, you're knocking out these fundamentals and you're going to get results. So um, what else is on your list? What else? Um, I just can't survive without my buckwheat and quinoa and my dulse, my seaweed. I actually mm-hmm. just this morning had to order some more seaweed. I was like, oh my goodness, I'm nearly out. I can't, I, well, I say that I can't function without it, but I just love it so much. I've just come to really enjoy it. And it's so funny when you, go out and about people are like what are you eating and I'm like this is my you know, this is my staple this is my standard it's so good so I've been buying buckwheat and quinoa in bulk and that's worked really well for me um I often you know make up a big pot because I like to have it fresh and hot in the morning and then I'll have some leftover for lunch and sometimes I'll have a little bit more with my dinner as well um but I just love it it mm. does mean for me I do end up sprinkling a bit of salt over it because I feel like it you know, it needs some salt to me, but yeah, I just love it. it. It's like my happy food. I feel when I've been away from home, like I've kind of mastered all of those little tips and tricks for being away from home and still eating the way you need to eat. And it's not always easy, but I feel so happy if I have my buckwheat and quinoa for my breakfast. It's just really good. And I know like it's a really good reset for me. And um, mm. just that, that, that baseline, I guess it's really, it's, it just feels really good. And it's been enough because for me, when I went on to Patterson program, 
I was, well, I still am. I'm still a very proud Kiwi farmer um, on a dairy farm and currently transitioning our farm to organic production. We also produce some amazing um, beef and lamb on our farm. So for me to um, take on a vegan diet was, well, that was a really big deal. And it's not that I'm a, I was never a massive meat eater, but I really appreciate good quality food that we produce on our farm. So that was a really big deal to take that out. But um, I found that the buckwheat and quinoa have been a, enough to sort of sustain me as regards to protein. So that's been really helpful. Yeah. Mm, good. Again, real real fundamental stuff here that's uh, really refreshing to hear that the foundational parts of my healing process uh, are applying so well. Uh, in your case too, which are these buckwheat and quinoa are just being so alkalizing, non-irritating, non-grains, you know, they're seeds, they're very gentle on the digestive system, they're, they're complete proteins, um, they're low in calories, so you can eat a lot of them without worrying about weight, weight gain, not that any of us have to worry about that. And just that confidence that you get with being able to eat them on a regular basis and know that inflammation is going to be under control. And that reassurance is very, very crucial when we're going through this as so many doubts creep in and worries creep in if inflammation starts to creep in. So have you got anything else on the list? What else? I think, um, no, I think it was most, those are the really key things I had on my list. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, it's a fantastic list. Um, you, you come from this background of, of being a registered nurse working in primary healthcare. When you see people who still work in that field uh, and you get into discussions about what you do now and what you're eating and stuff, so do you feel a disconnect with the medical community or do you feel that you've created a nice b- sort of, um, I guess, blend between what you're doing now and your, and your education background? Yeah, that's a really good question. So I always recall some of the patients I used to deal with with rheumatoid arthritis and and how challenging their lives were. And I guess that haunted me when I first got my diagnosis. I just, it's still, it's still today. I still recall some of those people and the challenges they faced. And I was like, wow, you know, it was one of those things that kind of fueled, fueled my, um, my devotion to my healing. I was like, wow, I'm not, if I can avoid it, I'm not going down that road. So um, yeah. And then moving on from that, I still catch up with some of my old colleagues and yeah, they, they are really interested in what I'm doing. I even had one of the GPs that I worked with um, referred some clients to me, which was pretty cool. So um, yeah, she's very open to what I'm doing and, and you know, the, the benefits of looking at, because for them, a lot of them, it's just like, oh, lifestyle factors, you know, because they often, um, you know, it's often a little bit missed um and conventional medicine you know the value of of lifestyle and and all that that entails so yeah it's really nice to catch up with them and and um you know they often ask if i if i miss my my old role and i'm like oh you know what there's definitely parts of my nursing career that i I really miss but what i'm doing now is just so much more fulfilling because i'm doing what i love and I'm, I'm seeing some really brilliant results in the people that I work with. So it's so rewarding. And I work on my terms, my time, you know, it's great. So, um, yeah, it's really, really good. Yeah, well, congratulations on everything that you've done, not just with your health that you've shared us with because uh, that alone is tremendously impressive, but also being able to start your own business. It takes time to educate yourself and then, you know, build some kind of framework around how you're going to deliver that the information and websites and uh, in some cases insurance and all sorts of stuff and then building a client base. And so, 
you know, both these things, um, you know, uh, have an element of risk about them as well, you know, and you've negated the risk by being in contact with your rheumatologist on your health front, keep, keeping a close relationship going and getting blood tests results so frequently. Everything's being done very, very above board and sensibly. And with your business too, you you know, whilst it's just beginning, uh, I think that anyone who's watched this can see how transparent you are and how nice it would be to to have conversations with you about their health and, and see that you certainly know what you're talking about. So um, your website, if people want to go there, the web address is wealthofhealth.co.nz. So the co is not com, but co.nz for New Zealand, wealthofhealth.co.nz. Charlotte's available to help you with various health conditions. And uh, it's uh, been a pleasure. So thank you, Charlotte, for coming on this episode. And uh, I, I look forward to continuing to help you online in our support platform where we communicate regularly and uh, and you're inspiring others in, in there as well. Cool, thank you. You've been listening to the Patterson Program. For more information, visit pattersonprogram.com.